and welcome back to Simply Seria. We are back from our Easter holidays. Buona Pasqua. Is that how you say it? I hope I've said it correctly anyway. Uh, since we've been gone, a lot has happened. Juventus were crowned champions. Their eighth Scudetto on the bounce. The Champions League race is at boiling point. Atalanta currently occupying fourth and just four points separate them and Lazio who are down in eighth. Um, I'm going to start off by running through the week's results. But first, uh, I want to welcome my panelists, Vittorio Campanile. Welcome back. Hello, everybody. How's everything? How are you, sir? How was your Easter? Not bad, thanks. Good. Really enjoyed it. Good. Glad to hear it. Tommy Milanese, welcome back. How are you, sir? Good, man. How are you, man? Not too bad. Not too bad. Can't complain. <laughs> Can't complain. Right, let's run through the results from this uh, weekend that's just gone. Atalanta 2, Udinese 0, Bologna 3, Empoli 1, Chievo 1, Parma 1, Fiorentina 0, Sassuolo 1, Frosinone 0, Napoli 2, Inter 1, Juventus 1, Roma 3, Cagliari 0, Sampdoria 1, Lazio 2, uh, otherwise known as the Milanese Campanile Derby, uh, Spa 1, Genoa 1, <laughs> Torino 2, Milan 0. Right, let's start off with Atalanta, guys. I mean, they had to wait until the 81st minute to break the deadlock, but they did it. And now they sit in fourth place, having booked their spot into the uh, Coppa Italia final as well just a few days ago. It's been a great uh, period for the Orobici. Vittorio, your thoughts? Can Atalanta do it? Well, we said it uh, in the last podcast, we don't believe they're going to be able to achieve this uh, this goal, but they're there. They are fourth now. They are still fighting for the Champions League. Uh, they beat Udinese without Ilicic, that looked to be the, the best player they had in the last month or so. He was astonishing. Uh, so, why not? Uh, now, next, next weekend, they're going to play against Lazio. That's going to be another vital match for them. If they win there, then uh, why not? I think they, they, they can reach the fourth spot, which would be an unbelievable achievement for them without forgetting that they are still in the final of the Coppa Italia. And, uh, you know, unbelievable season for, for Atalanta and incredible uh, performance by Gasperini. Every season, <laughs> they sell the best players. And uh, anyway, he finds a way to, to, to build an amazing team with uh, great youngsters who perform really, really well. Tommy, I don't think anybody, you know, and, and Vittorio's touched on it, we've spoken about it on previous shows, we didn't think that they would actually go through with it, that it would actually happen, that they'd actually be able to pull it off. And of course, there is still a very long way to go. But are you surprised as well that at this point in the season, Atalanta are where they are? They're in the Coppa Italia final, as Vittorio mentioned. I mean, what a great time to be an Atalanta supporter. Yeah, I mean, I, I to be fair, I was one of those that thought that Atalanta was going to do a great league for sure. But when they were in their fourth spot, I, don't, I didn't think they were going to hold it. I think by the end of the season, they were going to show um, to be a bit more tired, a bit, a bit you know, less in condition uh, compared to other teams. Uh, so, yeah, I was one of those that was thinking this. Uh, but yeah, there they are. And there's only four games to go. Um, and yeah, like Vittorio said, the next game against Lazio is going to be absolute battle for them because after that, there's only Genoa, Sassuolo, and Juventus that already won. So it, it's potentially uh, it's potentially seven points there 
Um, so yeah, against Lazio, if they do win against Lazio, which would be obviously very hard, they're away as well. Uh, that would be the turning point in the season. If they had to drop points there, I think it would be tough for them to to kind of recover the fourth spot. But either way, again, incredible season, incredible achievements. Even if they have to finish fifth or even sixth and don't win the Coppa Italia, it will still be remembered as an incredible season by the underdogs. Absolutely. Uh, Vittorio, given that they had to play on Monday after everybody else, do you think they were under increased pressure? And do you think that maybe affected their performance because they did struggle to break down Udinese, didn't they? It took an 81st minute penalty. Udinese, of course, fighting for their lives. But do you think that playing on the Monday after everybody else just added that little bit more pressure and therefore hindered Atalanta's performance? Well, we, we, we have to remember that they played even the semi-final of Coppa Italia this week. So uh, they were even tired, uh, tired and they weren't used to this is a team do, who, sh- who is not used to play twice a week, you know, because uh, they're young, they, they don't have international experience. So uh, it, it was a great test because Udinese is still fighting for, for the relegation. They are fighting, they need points to, to stay in Serie A. So it was a tough match for Atalanta who didn't have Ilicic that is battling an injury. So it was really a complicated test because you they already knew that winning would be in fourth spot spot for them. They were tired because they played a very important match on Thursday. So it was a really important test and, and they, they passed it. Yeah, you were saying that they scored lately, but uh, you know, this was a tricky match for me. I thought Udinese could, Atalanta could lose some points there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, let's touch on Udinese just quickly. They're, they're down in uh, 17th position, I think it is. Yeah, just above the relegation zone. They're four points clear of Empoli. Tommy, do you think Udinese will have enough to stay up? Or are Empoli showing any signs of perhaps closing that gap and, and leapfrogging them and saving themselves? You know what? I really, I really feel bad for Empoli because I feel like they've been the most unlucky team in this season uh, out of all of them. Because we know that Empoli played good football. They, I mean, they had a few different managers, which again is something I didn't really understand when they fired Iacchini. And whatever, but they played good football. At some bits, they they hit an incredible amount of posts. They they missed something like three penalties, something like that, and they 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 conceded a lot of goals in the last minute. Uh, I think they have a great squad. Francesco Caputo up front is is incredible. This is the season of his life. He'll never probably do a season like this ever again. Uh, and he's scoring a lot, carrying the team. They have a great, great goalkeeper that I'm, I wouldn't be surprised next year to see in other teams, which is Dragoski. And overall, I think they have a good squad. They don't deserve to go down. Um, but look at them. They have four points now behind Udinese. So I think, I think Udinese is, is probably probably safe at, at the moment, even though, um, I mean, there's still four, four games. And the next one, they have Inter, which obviously is not... It's not an easy game, uh, but yeah, four, four, they will have to drop four points in the in the last um, four games. But we did see in the in the past few seasons that some miracles happen in the last few days, like happened to to Crotone a few a few years ago. So you never know. But I think I think they're safe at this point. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Be interesting to see uh, if. Empoli can put a little run together and drag them back into it. Now, let's move on to the Derby d'Italia. It ended 1-1. Cristiano Ronaldo's equaliser in the second half denied the Nerazzurri all three points after Rajana Engelen's spectacular opener. Now, 
Vittoria, we've been talking earlier on in the season about how the Nyangaland sign didn't really work. It hasn't really come off. Are we starting to see signs now of what this player can do? I mean, it was a sensational goal, wasn't it? Yes, probably we are starting finally. I think the the the, the, the big difference is Nyangaland has been playing a lot in Rome and Rome is a completely different city from Milan. Uh, it's different ha- the way they think and they live football. Uh, from so he had to he struggled to understand the new way of living in in Milan, which cost him some times. Then he's he's getting older. He got some injury which he usually didn't didn't have in the past. So he struggled at the beginning to 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 find the the right rhythm with the team with the city etc. And now finally he's getting used to it and start playing as he as he normally does. Plus. He hates so much Juventus that every time he plays against them, <laughs> he usually has an, an amazing performance. So, and he showed it against again uh, this weekend. But you have to be honest and say Juventus is not fighting anymore for nothing. So, uh, it's it's hard for them to compete, play at the same intensity that the other teams does against them. So, uh, but. I, I rate Nangolan very high. I think he's one of the best midfielder in in Italy. So I, I was sure he would recover eventually. It, it's just a question of time. Yeah, absolutely, uh, Tommy. This whole debate, and we, we've spoken about this before on previous shows, we always talk about how Juventus are desperate to win the Champions League, how you know that that's the one thing that Inter hold over them because Inter have done it more recently, and they put. A fantastic display, didn't they, uh, in the in the uh, San Siro, sort of mocking Juventus. That really bothers the Juve faithful, doesn't it? That really, really winds them up. Yeah, it does. And I thought I thought it was hilarious. And thinking about how much money, how much money was behind that, just to take the piss out of Juve fans. That that is incredible. Like honestly, I and I, I don't think I don't know if I've ever seen such an effort make fun of someone but yeah that you said you said correctly for Juve the biggest thing is to win the Champions League and the joke comes from the fact that Juve lost an incredible amount of finals I would say seven I don't want to be wrong but I think it's seven Champions League finals in their history um, and you know they, they've been saying in the past they want to win him Buffon he was saying that he, you know we want to win him before he retired uh, and they they um, they lost two Champions League final in the past few years and they lost the one against Milan uh, over like 15 years ago. So yeah, they historically don't win finals and that obviously is an easy assist for opponents fans to make fun of them. Um, I wonder I wonder how, how the players felt really. Like, I, felt, I was really wondering what that happened, the Inter fans that had all of that. How Ronaldo found watching. Obviously, he's a professional, so he's used to ignore fans. But you know, he. I think. I think that's the main reason why he moved to Juventus to to win the Champions League with another team, and so be remembered as the best and blah blah blah. So I wonder how Ronaldo how felt. Yeah, he must have been pretty pissed off about it. And I think you know he certainly shut them up, didn't he, with his equaliser? Uh, Vittorio, Vittorio Icardi's come back into the frame at Inter. Um, there are lots of reports circulating that he could be on his way to Juventus as part of a swap deal uh, with Moise Keane. Could that happen, in your opinion? Because 
It feels to me like, and I, I might be completely wrong, you guys would know better than me, but it feels to me like this is, if not the biggest, one of the biggest rivalries in Italy. Can you see them doing much business with each other? Well, you're right. It's the probably the biggest rivalry in Italy, but it's even true that Paratici and Marotta, that are sport director of Juventus and Inter, are friends. So this can help and they have been working together forever, I think. Already in Sampdoria, they have been working together. So there is a relationship there. And we know that Raiola uh, has spoken with Marotta in the past days. And Raiola is the manager of, uh, of Keane. And at the same time, we know that Raiola is pushing Juventus. Uh, they are talking for the renewal of contract of Keane. And um, we know how good Raiola is. And he, he wants that his players will play more time, more with Juventus, which at the moment is difficult to believe because they just renewed the contract to Manchukic, they have Cristiano Ronaldo, they have Dybala. Do you think next year King will play more? Yes, probably he will play more than this year, but how much more? We don't know. On the other side, we know that even if Icardi started playing again, well... We are not sure that he's going to stay with the club. We know that the relationship with Spalletti and the and the club is not great. So, and at the same time, we know that Paratici often have spoken about Icardi, how much he's rated uh, as a striker. So we know that Juventus would love to have Icardi, and this is maybe is the option. You know, Juventus want to get rid of uh, of Icardi and get some money out of that, and maybe find a replacement like Keane that is not at the level of Icardi at the moment but could become even a better player than Icardi. So uh, it would make a lot of sense. Uh, it, it's going to be difficult. We don't know if uh, the fan will love it, etc. But uh, I think it can happen, honestly. I mean, Tommy, there's there's other talks going around about uh, Dybala moving to Inter. And I read a report somewhere the other day, just by chance I came across it, that they've already started printing shirts in his name or, or something silly like that. Is that on the cards? Um, I think I think to to say where Ricardo's going to go now, it's an easy win for journalists because because of the situation, everyone assumes he's going to leave. So everyone is trying to find a possible solution. So Dybala and then Keane, and then uh, I heard to Real Madrid to to Man United. You you hear everything. I think the, 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 none of this news has a has a base in my opinion. There, there's there's still there's still no plans. Uh, but I do think he's going to leave, though. Uh, and you can tell because when this first mess happened, so when he was out of the squad for the first time, there was a bit of talking. He was kind of saying, you know, Wandanara himself was talking love Inter. Now there's been a weird silence, which is I quite enjoy it, to be fair, because, you know, Icardi and his wife, they love to talk social media and newspaper and stuff. There's been quite a bit of silence in the past in the past weeks. So I feel like Icardi is kind of trying to let the season go. Don't really speak too much. You know, don't really be hated too much uh, or more than he already is. And, <laughs> and yeah, he's definitely going to find try to find uh, a good solution this summer. In my opinion, it would be a bad idea for Juventus to leave Keane like this for a player like Icardi because we know Icardi is amazing, but what happened with Inter, it could potentially happen with Juventus again. And we know that Juventus are very strict with players, uh, the, that sort of players. So what, what if Icardi does a similar sort of thing and then he goes out of squad and they left Keane for it? 
I think it, I think it wouldn't make sense really. Dybala, I think it would make a bit more sense because Dybala is another player that is amazing, like Icardi, but it's not really finding the right fit for Juventus. So swapping the two players might potentially unlock them both, and I, I will obviously see it happening. Be interesting to see, won't it, how that uh, situation unfolds. Now, game number three that we're going to discuss this week, and as I called it uh, at the beginning, it's the Milanese Campanile derby, Sampdoria. Uh, one Lazio two in the end. I want to get both your thoughts on this game. I know it's a game you would have both watched very closely. Uh, you know, supporting your respective teams, and I'm sure you've got plenty of emotions, plenty of thoughts. Uh, Vittorio, starting with yourself, you must be thrilled with the result. What did you make of the performance? Well, I thought uh, it was a very important test for Lazio because after the great performance and a great victory in the semi-final of Coppa Italia away against Milan. Uh, you know, the team could uh, lose focus in a very important match. Lazio had to win this match to keep alive the chances of Europe, not only of Champions League, but Europe League. I thought, surprisingly, Lazio played really, really well. The first half went ahead uh, thanks to two goals over Casado. Uh, and in the second half, though, Sampdoria came out, even if they were one man down for, I don't know if it was a, a, a good decision from the referee to send off uh, Ramirez. I thought the second yellow card was a little bit weak. But in the second half, Sampdoria played much better. I think Gianpaolo made a couple of changes that really uh, helped Sampdoria step up. Uh, and uh, yeah, Sampdoria nearly, nearly drew a match that should have lost. So... Um, Overall, I think Lazio deserved to win, but uh, Sampdoria in the second half played really well and had the chance to to draw the match. So, um, again, Quagliarella scored. He's unbelievable. But yes, Lazio, if, it, if Lazio want to keep up and fight for the Champions League, they have to start to perform 90 minutes at a high level, not only 45. Tommy, your thoughts? How, how are you feeling after that one? It feels like with Sampdoria, it's one step forward, two steps back. Yeah, that's that's very that that's bang on. Uh, I agree. I would agree with the fact that Lazio deserved the game to win the game. Uh, first first half there was absolutely no not a chance for us. I thought I was scared it was going to end three for nil, especially after the red card. And yeah, I agree with the fact that one man down, we actually found a, a better balance. We were we actually uh, show up and and started playing decently. Um, Something that I always say, and I remember saying in one of the early episodes of, the, of this podcast this year, is that at, like every year with Gianpaolo, Sampdoria goes on holiday on, in mid-April. To be fair, this season has been a bit better than the last few seasons because last few season, like first of April, like it's completely like Sampdoria will lose them all. So this year is not really happening that. But again, you can really see the uh, the physical pre- uh, preparation of all the players is really going down compared to the, to the past few months. So I, I, I think that if this game had been playing a few months ago, I probably wouldn't have been that bit different. But with the Sampdoria of now, uh, yeah, Lazio definitely deserve um, the win. One thing I would like to say, and I mean, I'm not, again, I'm, I'm really not trying to find excuses. Uh, I would say, again, Lazio was the better side. But it's, it's just a shame how it started because Colley, our central, def- central defender, he had a stomach virus, a stomach problem. So he lost the ball in a very silly way with Casado. And you can tell they really couldn't keep up with him. Usually he's a very fast player, very physical player. So I thought he was going to get the ball back or at least push Casado to the side. But he literally left him go. He couldn't keep up with him. 
and only five minutes after the goal he left the he left the pitch and um, there's news today that he still he still hasn't gone over it so it wasn't just a you know just a stomach problem it's a, it's a problem in a virus and he might miss the next match as well so that's a shame because starting one nil down after what was it one two minutes obviously made everything harder for us so if that hasn't happened maybe it would have been a different game but again Lazio deserved it um, and Sandora tried we had an incredible chance with the Frel when the result was 2-1 uh, very very good across from Murru and the Frel was literally in front of the goal without the keeper without the defender nothing the only thing the ball was very fast so it wasn't the easiest but still I think most players in Serie A or professional football would have scored that. So that's a shame. But again, Lazio was the better side and they deserved it. Uh, we were already out the, the Europa, you know, the Europa League battle. Unlike, unless for miracles, now we're officially out. So we're just gonna, I guess, enjoy the last four games. Um, yeah, without too much pressure. I mean, yeah. When you look at the table and you look at between fourth and Lazio down in eighth, it's very close, isn't it? Four points separates those teams and then obviously there is a little bit of a gap between Lazio and Sampdoria that's opened up obviously more now um so yeah I, I think you're absolutely right I think it's time for Sampdoria to almost go on holiday um but let, let's talk a little bit about Roma because I, I know I was highly critical of Claudio Ranieri when he took over the job and we were talking about their chances of getting back in the Champions League race and we basically pretty much all of us I think if I'm not mistaken and correct me if I'm wrong uh, Vittoria we pretty much dismissed them didn't we but they're only a point now outside of the top four they've won three of their last five um, and of course now they're only a point behind Atalanta have has he done a good job are they sort of you know in with a real shout now well I mean the table suggests so but in terms of the way they've been playing how are you feeling about it? They haven't been playing great, to be honest, but they won a lot of matches. And as we said, uh, Ranieri is not a great manager, but did the simple things that works, you know. He put the players in the right position. We said it in this podcast already. Di Francesco was trying strange things, you know, like playing Pastore on the wing uh, and so on, which didn't make sense. Instead, Ranieri is doing the simple things, putting the players in the right position, uh, working on the defense because Roma was allowing too many easy goals. Now it's much difficult to score. Olsen is on the bench. Milan is playing. So Roma is not playing amazing football, but now they're playing normal football without trying to invent nothing spectacular. They're not thinking they're the Barcelona and they're starting winning. Uh, and if Atalanta didn't win against Udinese, they were fourth. And uh, the fixture for Roma going on it's it's quite easy they only have Juventus to play against but as I said before you don't know which type of Juventus will play against them maybe Allegri will play the Primavera or, or some of the players who hardly play this season so you, you don't know if it's going to be a tough match or an easy one but for me especially considering that, uh, that Atalanta has the Coppa Italia final I think Roma is the favourite uh, for the fourth spot Um even though they're not playing great football. But I think the big credit to Ranieri is doing the simple things, put things, do things normally without trying to invent uh, amazing thing like a pastore on the winger and things like that. Yeah, Tommy, what have you made of their progress? There has been some progress, hasn't there? 
Yeah, definitely. Uh, definitely. Winning, uh, they won a couple after the, the, the little series of bad results that Ranieri had when he first came. He had a couple of one nil win against us at home, which I don't think they deserved really. Uh, and they won nil with Udinese at home. And that gave a lot, gave, gave, you know, they gave a lot of momentum for Roma. And what Vittorio said is absolutely spot on. I think it was very weird when he first came, was trying his 4 4 2, which is, you know, his formation. Uh, which obviously is not is not the way that Roma was built and Jacko and Schick up front we, we we I think enough managers now try to to, to make it work and we don't, we know that it doesn't work. Now he's finally playing again like we thought I said the, the place in the right position. He's playing with his four two three one, which I think is a is a great um, formation for Roma. Uh, players like El Sharawi, which is is, is playing has been playing amazingly since when he rejoined. Um, in uh, Pastore is a finally CAM, not, not a winger anymore. He's playing Clivert as well, which I'm, I'm really liking it. So yeah, it's try- it's, I think he's, he's finding a balance. And uh, so Roma finally found their identity, which they haven't had in a while. And at this point, I mean, I was get, I was one of those that uh, didn't believe in Ranieri. But again, when it was trying with 4 4 2, I did say once that if he, if he kept going with the 4 4 2, it would never reach even the Europa League spot. But now they finally found the balance. Uh, is doing well, and I think it will be interesting to see how we'll do next season if they kept him with the whole summer to prepare. I don't know if they're going to keep him or not. Probably not, but I think it would be interesting to see what it would do with the with the whole summer and maybe sign a few players that he likes. And Tommy, we have to say something because Roma is playing a little bit better. But what's changed is that Milan has been playing terrible. After losing That's the true. derby, Milan has been performing really, really bad. I think in the last five matches, they beat only Lazio. Lazio was fourth after beating Inter away, and they were able to lose against Chievo, Spal, draw against Sassuolo. So it's not Roma that is playing incredibly well. It's the other team that are playing rubbish. And so they help Roma to get back in, in position. Because if Milan and Lazio kept playing... at at the good level as they were doing before, then probably Roma didn't have any chances. Instead, now Torino's above Milan and Lazio. So it's completely different from one month ago. Yeah, that's true. And that makes me feel even worse about Sampdoria because if we played <laughs> like we used to play uh, until a few months ago, we would probably be there with Torino. But that's another story. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's talk about Torino-Milan. It was 2-0 uh, to Mazzari's side. They finally beat Milan in a Serie A fixture for the first time since 2001. Of course, Milan needed to win this uh, with Torino three points behind them. And then, of course, Torino, by winning that, had the superior head-to-head record. Um, Not to mention that Roma, as we've already said, had already won. Um, Starting with Vittorio, what's gone wrong at Milan? Is it time for Gattuso to go? Because there's lots of talk about that. There's lots of talk about Leonardo uh, being under pressure. I've read some stories about Gattuso talking about how he's been abandoned uh, by Leonardo and, and and Maldini, I think he was talking about as well. It just seems like a, a shit show, if I'm being honest. I think sack uh, Gattuso now is far too late. It wouldn't change nothing. Um, as we said in the podcast, uh, I don't rate Gattuso a great manager. He failed everywhere he he has been. So he's a great sportsman. He's a great guy, but he's not a very good manager. And I, I still believe Milan has very good players, but still they're playing rubbish football. And now that Piontek is not scoring again, um, 
Milan is struggling to score, it's struggling to play football. Uh, a midfield with Bakayoko and Kessi, it's very weak. They are very physical, but with the ball on their feet, they don't know what to do. And uh, so eh, Milan is struggling, it's not playing great football. While Torino, it's the typical Mazzari team, very well organized in defense and very dangerous in counter-attack. And that's what they did against Milan. Uh, they deserve to win, to be honest. Torino played much better than Milan. And, and I think Gattuso is right saying that Leonardo didn't help him. Leonardo is always complaining about referee. He said it when uh, Milan went, went out in the Europe League, blamed the referee, but not the fact that Milan was in the easiest Europe League group ever and they were able to not pass them. Uh, they lost against Juventus and again Leonardo blamed the referee. But he's not blaming the fact that he's not helping the manager. Some players are doing what they want uh, and so on. So, And there are rumors that this summer even Leonardo could lose his job because he's doing badly what, what he was, what, why he came to Milan for. So, um, and, and there's the biggest problem is Milan needs money because they, they have big salary and if they don't reach the Champions League, then I think they will have to sell a lot of very quality players. So we have to see what, what happened this summer. Uh, at the moment, Milan can still reach the fourth spot. But if they keep playing football like that, it's going to be really difficult. Again, the fixture is very positive because they don't have tough matches coming along. But still now they, they have a, a gap between uh, them and the fourth spot and they have to hope that Atalanta start losing points because otherwise it's going to be complicated for them. Yeah, of course, it will be quite embarrassing, wouldn't it, given the, the position that they were in. At one stage, we were even talking about them finishing third and obviously that's not going to happen now. Uh, Tommy, what's your take on the situation uh, on the red side of Milan? Because, you know, it, it's a big story at the moment. Yeah, I think I think the real problem in Milan, like I said in the, in the in the previous episodes, is that the basic problem is that the squad is not good enough, and I, I'm gonna repeat that. And when Milan was doing very well and it was going for fair plays, I remember I was saying that Gattuso was doing, in my opinion, a great job and it was it was being very good because he was doing it was actually reaching the third point, the third place with a squad that really doesn't deserve it. A squad that, in my opinion, is way less good than Lazio, Roma, and other team, and Inter, and obviously Napoli, Juventus. I think the players they have are quite terrible for, for the history of Milan. Um, and so I think that it was Gattuso's, uh, it was because of Gattuso they were doing good, because he was doing a well job, a great job psychologically. Just like now, it's probably his fault. Um, that they're not doing that well. It's probably um, we know that he's not an experienced manager, so he probably uh, didn't really know how to handle the situation and um, having the momentum uh, and, and keep it, keep it, especially after the defeat in the derby, because that that's really when things uh, started going down. But again, if you don't have the players, it's very hard to perform. Right? Um, Milan is still playing with Charlonglu in, in, the, in the winger, which to me is terrible. I wouldn't want Charlonglu even in my team. Or if you look at the midfield, Cassie, I mean, I don't want to start go here and you know talk bad about every single player that Milan has. They have a few good players, of course, like Piontek, uh, Suzo, uh, but they they, they need, need someone to serve him. He need, Suzo completely stopped playing after uh, in a few a few months ago. He completely start, stopped doing assists. He, he his performance dropped drastically. Um, Paquetá as well which started very well now I mean he had an injury and I was trying to recover 
like, to have a striker like Piontek up front, you need someone to serve him good balls. Otherwise, he's not going to get the ball back in midfield and, you know, dribbles the more like Messi and uh, scoring score top it. So, if these players, they're not, they're not performing, if they're not well in a, in a psychological point of view, then the whole team is not going to perform and that's what's going on. Um, but again, they have the easiest calendar uh, among all the, all the other teams in the battle. So, they have Bologna, Fiorentina and Spal, which they're not fighting for anything and Frosinone, which is already down. So, I mean, Bologna is a good form Fiorentina is a very bad form. Frosinone is already down. Spal is the last game. They're not going to have anything to fight. Uh, so, I mean, they, they, again, they have the best calendar. So, technically, they're still the favourites. But by the way they're playing, they're probably not the favourite. Yeah, fair point. Fair point. But, you know, despite all that talk, it is only three points, isn't it? Between them and fourth. It seems like, it. you know, they're down in seventh and it seems like it's a million miles away, but it's not. That's how condensed that section of the table is at the moment. Uh, Vittorio, Torino have kind of been plugging away at it all season. They've had a very good season. We've spoken on previous episodes about Mazzari, about you know that you know what you're going to get from him. Uh, you know what to expect. But, you know, I'm surprised that at this stage in the season, Torino are, are currently in sixth and above Milan, above Lazio, above Sampdoria at the minute. I know it's there's still a few games to go, but how impressed have you been with them this season? I think Mazzari did a great job. Um, I think at the beginning of the season, no one could think that Torino would have ended in that position. But as I was saying for, for Roma, I think it's, it's, it's similar. Torino's playing well, probably more better than expected. But they even uh, helped by performance of Milan, Lazio, Roma, etc. Because uh, if Milan and Lazio played at their level all the season, well, they're better than Torino. Uh, so, uh, but as I said, uh, Mazzari is a very, very difficult manager to play against. He's very well organized. He prepares very well the match. And uh, it's very difficult to score against Torino. And they can get very dangerous, especially if Belotti starts playing well like like he's doing in the recent matches. Uh, they have Sirigo, who is back in top form. They have a good defense. So they have some quality players, Torino. Um, so they can be very dangerous. Uh, again, I didn't expect to see Torino playing there, but Mazzari is a very expensive, experienced manager. The club is solid. Now we know that there are rumors that Petaki could finish uh, being the sport director of Roma. And this just proves how the club is doing very, have been doing very well in the last year. So, and this shows you that sometimes this money is not important. Milan spent far more money than, than Torino. But if you spend the money wisely, then you build a team that can compete with, with Milan and all the others. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, guys, I mean, that brings us sort of towards the, the end of the show. The only one more thing I wanted to ask you guys about and get your thoughts on. Um, and, you know, I've been doing a lot of reading these last few days. And as I normally do, I like to uh, scour through the papers from different countries and different leagues and et cetera, et cetera. And this talk of Eusebio Di Francesco returning to, uh, to management. Tommy, is this link between Di Francesco and Milan a reality in your opinion? Could it happen? Do you think he would be a good fit? I think, I mean, to be fair, I think it could happen because, but probably because Milan has been doing a lot of bad choices in the past few years. So it wouldn't surprise me if they would make 
one more bad choice. I mean, I guess that, that, that tells us what you think about it then. <laughs> yeah, it's really the opposite of what Milan needs at, at, the, at the moment. Vindy Francesco should probably start again from a from a mid-table team uh, and, and just kind of try to shine again like he did with Sassuolo. He was linked with Fiorentina. There was rumours that they were talking for a deal this summer, but then Pioli resigned and he couldn't get, take the jobs because the Serie A rules doesn't allow a manager who has been sacked to, to take a job in the same season. So they had to hire Montella. But otherwise... Probably this summer, Di Francesco would have been the manager of Fiorentina. I didn't know that. I didn't know about that rule, that if you get sacked, it's not like the Premier League then, where it's like a merry-go-round of the same managers over and over again mm-hmm. going around. Um, Vittorio, whilst we're on Fiorentina, what's happened to them? They've just plummeted, haven't they? What happened with Pioli? I don't think we, we spoke about this. I think it was during our break when this happened. Why did he resign? What, what was the issue there? Well, Fiorentina wasn't playing, uh, wasn't winning more than playing badly. wasn't winning a lot of match. They they start losing a lot of match. But I don't know if Tommy agree with me. Fiorentina is a very talented team, but very young, and so it's it's clear that this team will have big ups and terrible downs. And uh, the fact that even the goalkeeper Lafont is playing terribly didn't help because goalkeeper it's it's fundamental. Just just go and check what Roma did this season with Olsen. Um, but the problem is that they decide to keep uh, Pioli till the end of the season. But Pioli said, if you don't trust me, if you don't respect me, then I, I won't stay here. And he resigned. And obviously Fiorentina wasn't prepared because they were talking with with uh, Di Francesco, as I said. Probably Pioli knew already this thing and said, well, I'm losing the job anyway, so uh, I'm quitting now. And uh, Fiorentina was struggling to find a manager and they called Montella, who I, I don't rate very highly to be honest with you I don't think he's a great manager he's been lucky in the past but he proved when he was in Milan that he was not a manager for big teams and uh, and he's doing the same now with Fiorentina he came back and Fiorentina started losing again <laughs> and there are rumours that Chiesa will leave so it looks like he's not very focused uh, as I said Lafont uh, is turning out as a terrible signing there are a lot of interesting youngsters but you need a manager who's able to make them perform make them focus on every single match uh, and not when they're playing only against Juventus and this is not very easy and I don't think Montella is good for that absolutely Uh, the only thing good thing I remember about Montella was his aeroplane celebration I mean he was a fantastic player but that 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 is the thing that sticks in my mind I remember watching it on uh, channel four I think it was on Sunday mornings and I used to run around the living room trying to trying to copy this celebration. Uh, Tommy, just finally, your thoughts on the, the whole Pioli-Fiorentina situation? Well, I'm going to say something that Zidane said when he came back to Real Madrid. He said it's very hard to motivate players that are not playing for anything. Um, so for Fiorentina, for, for the manager, whoever it is, to come in a team like Fiorentina, there's not in the Europa League battle. It's definitely not in a relegation battle. It's in that kind of limbo with the hay between you know, two things that you're not really battling for anything. It's, it's hard. It's tough for any manager, I think. Then again, I don't rate Montella. Montella is like Inzaghi, great striker, very poor manager. Filippo <laughs> uh, Inzaghi, obviously, not Simone Inzaghi. Um, and so I don't think that's, that's really what Fiorentina needed. I agree that they have a lot of good uh, youngster. I, I don't agree that Lafont was a terrible signing. Yeah, he has made some mistakes but you know, I think he also proved during the season that he's, he's, he's a talented 
keeper that they can keep for a lot of years. And also a, a lot of other players, like Milenkovic, Veretu, uh, Dabo, Gerson, um, uh, Muriel as well. He's not super young, but he's still still a young and talented player. So what they, what they do again? I mean, and they need to to start again from the summer. The two, the whole keeper manager, whether it's Montella or Di Francesco, whoever is going to be. Uh, keep the same manager that is going to do the preparation in the summer and give them time to prepare. And I think Di Francesco would be good if Fiorentina to prepare because it's not like Roma when you have the pressures that you have to finish top four or or perform well in the Champions League. In Fiorentina, you don't have that kind of pressures. Yeah, um, Fiorentina is battling for the Europa League. I think that's um, that will be the, the goal for the next season. But yeah, so and, and they definitely have the, the teams and the players to finish seven around seven eight next season. Tommy, but would you play Dragoski or Lafont? Because Dragoski is a Dragoski. Yeah. <laughs> so they sent away Dragoski to Empoli to buy Lafont. You know they could have kept Dragoski, who's even young. So Dragoski you know. has been incredible this season. They, they consider a lot of goals, obviously, for the poor defense of Empoli, but. He's, he's been playing incredibly. That game against Atalanta, oh my God. Yeah, so, so you know, that, that's the type of mistake you don't have to make. You have already a very good cool people, keeper and young and you send it away to, to, to get Lafont anyway. Yeah, I agree with that. <laughs> There you go. You finally agreed on something. <laughs> right, guys, that brings us to the end of another episode. Uh, thank you very much for listening. You can follow us on Twitter at Simply Seria. If you're listening via iTunes, don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review. You can also find the show, of course, on SoundCloud and, of course, on Spotify. We'll be back next week with another review show. Until then, ciao. have that one piece of clothing you keep going back to no matter how full your closet is having a versatile high quality favorite feels great but having a whole closet full of them feels even better american giant puts the quality durability and comfort they're famous for into everything you need for your spring days from premium t-shirts and jeans to lightweight french terry joggers and their legendary best hoodie ever Whether you're dressing for work, the gym, or happy hour, you're sure to find your next closet go-to from American Giant. And it's all made in America and designed to last a lifetime. Get 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's American-Giant.com, code STAPLE20. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.